Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, my name is James Pywell and this is the 92 podcast. I'm on a quest to speak to one fan from each of the 92 football teams that make up the Premier League, the Championship, League One and League Two. Each episode, I'll shine a spotlight on a different club, talking to their fans, playing silly games and quizzes and learning what it's like to be a supporter of their team. In this episode, we take a look at Leighton Orient. For me, um, the love of Orient is, is not because they play attractive football or they sign the greatest stars, it's the people. And the people, and, and, and you feel part of it. You feel that your voice is heard. We've all done it as well. You, you've scored a goal. You've turned to a complete stranger and hugged them, you know, and jumped all over them if it's a, if it was a 90th minute winner. Actually, the news broke on that Saturday, and, and I was sitting at home and I said to my better half, I said, "Look, I want to go down the club. I've got, I've got this natural urge to want to just go down the club. I want to be with other Orient people." Now, I don't know anything about them, except they're from East London and they're in League Two, which is why Julian joins me on this episode. He's from the Leighton Orient podcast, The Lowdown. Hello, Julian. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, thank you. And, and I'm really disappointed you know nothing about us. No, which is why I've got you on, though, so that you can kind of enlighten me about everything Leighton Orient, because I literally know nothing other than, like I said, you're in League Two and you're from East London. Yeah, cool. So let's give you a bit of a, a whistle-stop tour of the East End. Leighton Orient uh, are one of the, the founding members of, of, of football in the UK. You know, we have got a historical background. For the first time in our history, uh, probably about three years ago, unfortunately, we, we entered into to the National League. So for that, it's the first time in that, that great historical time. But then we're seeing that across a lot of football clubs now. You know, the teams that have been in the highest of the highs and now and some of them on the lowest of the lows. But as a club, we're very much a community team. And what that means is that I think everyone buys into the ethos of what Leighton Orange stands for. Our support and our following um, home and away is pretty pretty good for League Two. We don't have huge crowds like some of the, the, the teams in the Championship. Because if you look at where we're based, you mentioned East London, but you literally you, you turn left um, outside our West Stand and you can see West Ham over at the uh, Olympic Park. And if you turn right uh, and a couple of trips and flows, you, you fall into to our friends at Spurs. Who are very very good neighbours, by the way. Not not so good the left hand side, but then if you literally <laughs> go around, around the corner from there, you have Arsenal. So if you look at the catchment area, we we are very very much sort of um, uh, under pressure from Premiership clubs and and young followers want to see good football, good investment. And guess what you see? We 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 have that mixed message. But one thing I would say, what we've probably seen over the last three years is a real uptake in young fans coming to watch Orient. Whether they are Orient's become their second club or, or it's actually their first club, um, we, we are really seeing a big uptake of younger fans joining us. And that's good because all those old fogies who have been around the block a few times and, and we we want to see that continue on. And when you go away, you're seeing a lot more younger fans. So that's a really good thing for us. So for us, that's great. If you look at um, our, our, our history, you know, we, we've had some real highs and some lows. You think also, you look at some of the players that have been through us over over years. I mean, one sort of highlight is Laurie Cunningham, one of the first black footballers who played for England, who went off and joined West, West Brom and Real Madrid and sadly passed away in a car accident. But what a play, you know, what a talent that started his career at Leighton Orient. But then we, we've done that over a number of players and now playing in the Premiership or in and around the Championship who have come through our academy system and then gone on and to better things. So what else can we say? Yeah, we're an East End club, very, very community driven. Our football at times over the years has been a bit desperate. But I think in, in recent climbs under Justin Edinburgh, did some great things in the National League. And, and I'm really pleased to see that Ross Edwardson, who's again, uh, he was his number two, but more importantly, is he's, he's number he's a number one in his own right now. He's, he's starting to sort of move us on and move us forward. We're playing some good, attractive football, and I think um, uh, the, the, they say it's, it, the, we're on the up, or, or there's there's rising in the east, as I, as I think uh, <laughs> our, our football club uses some of their marketing. So let's delve a little bit deeper then into you personally as a fan. How long have you been a fan of the club? Is it all your life? Yeah, so my, my little story is a bit weird. So I started my footballing life as a very young... So my brother and sister are a lot older than me. So my brother's 10 years older than me. My sister's 14 years older than me. So I was the baby of the family. My mum and dad both were East End parents. And my mum 
worked for the local authority. My dad worked for British Gas. So my dad had to work Saturday, so he couldn't take me in here, although my dad was not a big sports fan. So from a very early age, and I mean sort of nine, ten, I was going to watch football. Football was something I really enjoyed, enjoyed watching. So I would go over to Tottenham with one of my mates from school. And as we went over there on our own, so you imagine now sending a nine or ten year old um, halfway <laughs> across London on public transport match days. My mother or probably or my father ended up in care because it wasn't it wasn't the thing to do now. But then the world was a different different place. So I was going over to Spurs to um, nine and ten, and sadly one day I was walking onto to Tottenham High Street. I saw a, a man get thrown through a window of a pub. Not not in out. It was someone thrown out the window, and that scared the life out of me as a young man. So I went back and naturally told my mum the story of what I've seen after <laughs> watching Spurs play. They were and. She wasn't quite um, happy of that. So I was about 11 then. And then I sort of fell out of love of, with, with football watching it. I started playing a, a decent level of rugby on a Saturday. And I got to about 15, 16. And some of my mates were saying, I'm going over Leighton Orient. And Leighton, like you said, who are Leighton Orient? They're in East London. That's all I knew, you know. And um, yeah. so I started to go over there and, and literally, literally got the bug within two or three weeks. I think the bug was it, it was it was not as packed as when you go over to a premiership or, or a, 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 a division one club when when Spurs Spurs were in there. It was for me it was just a different different feel, you know, you, you felt that you were a part of it and when I sort of after going over or in I was speaking to my mother and what pleases me now, so if I look at my two boys who are in the twenty one and twenty four, they're fifth generation Orient fans, which at the time I didn't know because my mum had been over Orient as a child. Yeah. Her dad was an Orient fan, and his father was an Orient fan. Again, unbeknown to me. And as a thing, I, I found out over as we go over many years. I've got cousins who go over there. I come from a, an Irish family, so they didn't have much TV. So there was a lot, lot of them. So everyone's got a, got a son or daughter. So I have two or three cousins go over there fairly frequently. I've got a cousin who sits, who I didn't really know until the last so ten years that well because he's a lot older than me, sits in the same row as me, and, and, and but down the other end. So it's it, it's quite a family thing. And, and for me, um, the love of Orient is, is not because they play attractive football or they sign the greatest stars. It's the people and the people. And, and, and you feel part of it. You feel that your voice is heard. You feel that actually, strangely, if you're not there on a Saturday or a Tuesday, that has affects the players because they expect you to be there, look out for you. And... and, and Although they don't, but in your own mind, you're bought into it. It's a part of your life. It's not just a, I'm going to go and watch football today. It, it is a part of the fact. It becomes everything you consumes you. Everything you think about outside your own family, late in Orient becomes that. And and that's such a lovely thing if, if your life allows that, isn't it? It's, you know, it's just, just great to be a part of something and part of something very special. And you obviously feel more of a connection with late in Orient, knowing that there's yeah potentially less fans there but compared to like the likes of Tottenham, who you're in the midst of, obviously when you get into stadiums, you're in the midst of like tens of thousands of fans rather than just a couple of thousand, isn't it? Yeah, agree. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I watch Premiership football on, yeah. on, on the TV. I think it's it's it's, it's fantastic quality. Um, we're producing some great talent in the UK, and also we're seeing some fantastic talent from abroad playing in the Premier League. You know, but I think for me, is that one of the things that my friends out who are not Orient fans sort of like always think, yeah, how do you get that? So we have the opportunity to go and talk to our owners. We have the opportunity to talk to the manager. The manager's very open and honest. We have, we have interviewed him on, on the Lowdown podcast, which we're blessed to do that. But from that, he actually cares. And, and one thing I will share, and this is a, it's a personal thing, but it, it just I want you to sort of describe the type of club they are. Back end of last year, in, uh, October, November time, my, my youngest is at U.S. University. Sadly, was uh, contracted the coronavirus and was hospitalised with it. And um, I was speaking to Ross, our manager, in passing, just to let him know. I said, Ross, just to let you know, um, my son's not well and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and um, we were playing Walsall away. We got beat, so he didn't have to do it. He had his, his post-match interview. We were pretty poor. He, he had to stand up and be counted there. And, and he ended the interview with wishing my son all the best, you know. And no no manager needs to do that, you know. It doesn't matter. No. Um, even Ross didn't need to do that. But he did that, and he meant that. And he contacted me and asked my son's number just to say, look, he'll, he'll reach out to him directly. And I, and I was just blown away from that and blown away in a way that sort of whatever the quality of Ross's management decisions as, as a manager, I, I see him as a human being now, not just a guy who heads up our team. 
sadly, myself, I contracted and hospitalised with, with COVID uh, pretty badly before Christmas. It was so nice to hear from him, phone me up and had a chat, you know, all I was on the bloody breathing support. Yeah. It was quite funny. You just, but it, it was that that thing. If you look at that, that's the manager, but that disseminates throughout the club. But that comes from the top. That comes from the owners. That comes from Nigel. That comes from Kent. It comes from Daniel Macklin, our, our CEO. It comes from what the club wants wants to deliver, and that means so much to the Orient fans. And that's why we don't care. There's tens of thousands of people over there. That's why we don't care. We're we're in the top half of the, pre, the Premier League. It's about the Orient and about the family and about us being being together and, and, and achieving what we achieve together because that's such a big part of all our lives. So obviously you've just mentioned the togetherness there and the sense of unity. How difficult has it been, especially during all these lockdowns, not to be at the stadium watching the lads? Twofold. One, you, you're not sitting there hearing the idiots who don't quite know what they're talking <laughs> about. You know, that, That's quite nice. But, but then you have other idiots on, on Twitter who are still not quite know what they're talking about so that's fine but yeah I think it's it's not the game itself because no disrespect the 90 minutes is like semi-irrelevant it's the build-up it's uh, for me I'm a a saddo I'm I'm a football I have been a football coach I haven't coached for a number of years but I like to get there nearly an hour before the game I like to see the warm-ups I like to see how they're preparing that really means a lot to me I'm not a drinker so I don't go in the pub but rest of the guys in the podcast they like a drink so they're going in the bars or the or or a pub up the road meeting their other mates and having that sort of get together. Then you have a quick drink at half time and probably another drink or meet up afterwards. It's it's the elongation of that time of that is is the bit I think I miss. Unfortunately, say so I don't live with with all my children and uh, they're grown up and got their own properties. So I go there to football to see see my sons, you know, and it's it's great to see them and have a chat and catch up and face to face and a hug and. But also the bit that I really, really miss, and I think a lot of fans miss, is when you do well. You know, we all know it. You, we've all done it as well. You, you've scored a goal. You've turned to a complete stranger and hugged them. You know, and jumped all over them if it's a 90th minute winner. I, I remember we went away a number of years in the in the FA Cup to um, to Aston Villa, uh, and uh, we scored in like 87th minute. It was a Tuesday night, not the FA Cup. Sorry, it was the League Cup. Remained Vince Lott, scooped up, header, bang, goal. And I was with my youngest then, and I looked around after we scored the goal. This man who I don't know, I do know now, has got my son in his arms. Going, yes. <laughs> and, and that's the bit where you go, you miss at home, you know. Yes, you do the air punch or get off the sofa and go, great, we scored or we've won. It is not the same. It's not the, sh- the same to hearing that. But then you flip that round, and we've been privileged to interview a number of players over the the whole lockdown, even since earlier in last year. And and the players are saying now, it took a bit of a while, but the players are getting quite used to no sound, no yeah. no celebration. I actually think that's going to get even worse as we know the, the Premier League and the, and the FA have now uh, asked the players not to embrace each other and celebrate goals in the way they would have done before. So I think it's going to be even more soulless um, <laughs> come over the coming weeks because... At least you would watch a player celebrate and, and see the adulation in their faces and joyous, joyous celebration. But now you're going to see nothing because they're not allowed to do it. And I get it and I understand why. So I'm not knocking it. I know it's only for a short period of time. So I, do, I honestly feel when we all get back into the stadiums, when we all get back into following our teams, whoever they may be, I want to be there. Because it's going to be explosive, isn't it? It, it doesn't matter. And I think there'll be loads and loads of emotion because as football fans, we're quite emotional people. Yeah. But I think that that first game, win, lose or draw, will be so, so emotional for all fans. I know we've had a bit of it over the, the last couple of months where we've had a couple of fans in, 100,000 fans here and what have you. But as we all know, they didn't last very long, did it, because of the lockdown. Right. I just do feel this when we get back into the stadium completely back to some form of normality, I think it's going to be extremely emotional. And that's the bit we've, we miss by watching it on the telly, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So that first game back, like you say, it's, it's going to almost be irrelevant whether it's a win, draw or lose because you're just that happy to be back in the stadium and watching the team that you're so used to following week in, week out. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And it's the inter- interaction not just with the fans around you, it's the interaction with the players, whether that's by song, your voice in your opinion or whatever it may be it's that interaction we all miss you know you don't get it on, on the sofa with, with the tv so it, it's 
it, it's it's so important. And I think, for, especially for lower league football, as you say, we're a League Two club, and, and we've we've always been around League One, League Two. So we never, we, we yes, we in earlier years, many many years ago, we 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 had a a time in the, the upper echelons of the of the football leagues, but. We're a League One, League Two club, you know. Well, aspirations have uh, been in the Championship. We nearly got there under Russell Slade, but it was all we, we, we threw it away at Wembley. But for me, I just think it's so important for the lower football is to have the fans in because we we all play a big part, you know, and, and that's the bit I think we're missing. So let's move away from League One and League Two and just briefly touch upon the fact that you were in the National League. You did get relegated, um, but luckily you were promoted as champions back in 2019. How did that season compare to just being in League One and League Two? Was it any different? So, so listen, listen, do you know what? And I'm, I'm, I'm up to be sort of, um, sort of shouted at by other Orient fans. I really enjoyed our time in the National League. Two reasons. One, you would go to majority of the games thinking we got half a chance. Yeah. But when you lost the game, it hurt. Of course it does. You know, it hurts when you lose a game. But I think we, we invested well. Um, our, our first year in, in the, the National League uh, under Steve Davis was a bit, bit, bit wonky. You know, he didn't do a great job. Although he, was a, he seemingly was a really nice guy. But when Justin turned up, it just, just changed. The whole ethos of what we were trying to do has changed. We didn't change players. We didn't bring a load of like fresh faces in. All Justin did is actually got those who've got the talent to start playing. You think you look at our squad then, and then where we were, he came in that first year, then then year, the second year, um, our promotion year, we had a ball, you know. And the other thing is, we were taking loads of people away from home. So all all the clubs um, who we, we were visiting loved it because Orient turned up with five, six, seven hundred people plus thousands in some some of the games, you know, and yeah. and that helps their revenue as well because that's the other thing I noticed in, in the National League is that you did have that disparity where you would have like a Wrexham who would have a really good turnout of fans and then you'll go to somewhere like, um, I'm just trying to think, Sutton. And we would we would pack out a side and then two, oh, sorry, nearly sort of a half a ground and still you, we could have probably filled out more of the ground. We had more fans than the home fans. So you, you, that, that thing for me was great because you felt like we are Leighton Orient. We're here to... To, to have a good game and we were the we never thought we were the bigger club we was always perceived as the bigger club but that was great it was just a nice feeling but then you get into league two and league one we just but there's better clubs than us you know so we just go back to being good old Leighton Orient and we're we've got half a chance of winning a game like the next club so that was the difference I couldn't I don't think I could have watched that level of football for much longer it was pretty pretty poor at times and as yeah. and as you know and and you crooked your neck, didn't you? Because most of National League football, you look in the skies. You know, you're either getting rain in your face in the winter months, or got getting blinded by the sun. That's where the ball spends most of its time. So we have seen now since we've coming back into to the football league over the last couple of years, where the football does tend to stay on the grass, you know, or or, or is, is tactically better. I think National League for me was just uh, a little bit of push the ball up. Hopefully, someone scores. You got a big. You've got a big forward and a big centre-half and you've got a big, or not a big, you've got a, t- t- a tough tackling midfielder. That That's the National League. It was good fun. But I think if we'd have stayed in there much longer, I think it, I think we would have lost some support. Not people not supporting Orient, but it's just like, do you want to go every week and go and watch that quality of football? Yes, you may go home, but the whole, the whole going away and having the fun. And the other bit is a lot of us ticked off the away day grounds that we've never, ever been to. You know, and you think in those two years... We've been to grounds like Solihull Moors. I didn't know where Solihull Moors was, you know. <laughs> I didn't know they had a football team. Sorry, 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 Solihull, but great day out, you know. You know, the first time we went there, we went up on the train and got an Uber to the ground, had a good day out. Next time when Justin took over, it was a little bit more tasty. And then then we, we went back there um, in, in our championship year and it was the game before our, home, our last away game. And it was like a party, you know. It was you were fighting to get tickets. It was that that desperate. It was it was great. I felt I felt like um, a, prem, a Premier League team who had just got to the FA Cup final trying to get the tickets. <laughs> you were you were you were doing everything. I I got a guy who used to work for me lived in Solly just outside Solihull. I said, look, 
get me some tickets in the home end, even if I can't get my Orient tickets. So I had tickets to the home end, I had tickets to the away end. But yes, I wanted to be with my friends, the Orient fans, but I was desperate to go and see the game. So I'd get off standing anywhere, you know. It just yeah. made, just been a muted day out otherwise if you sat, sat in the home end. But no, it was, was brilliant. The National League wasn't as bad as I expected. And I think one thing we'd noticed probably year one, uh, when we come up, came up, I just think it was, we had that real... Real desperate year. Justin's passing, Ross taking over as and, and, and as as interim manager. Then then we had Cole Fletcher come in. He was an absolute uh, abomination of a manager. Ross stepped step back in. Was he in? Was he out? And he then took it full time. And then full time. But it, it, you think he, I don't think he took his full time role until the December time or January time even. You know. So we had nearly half a season of uncertainty of who's leading us so that's for fans yeah we don't know what goes on behind the scenes to a degree how the players feel but even in any job isn't it if, if your boss is you don't know whether your boss is going to be your boss ongoing you you do have a little bit of a what's not quite sure of of the future and yeah but then that stability step back in and i think that first the, the first half year um, Ross sort of in charge, and we started to see some some staff who made some mistakes, um, and then guess what? He get kicked in the rear end with our friend Mr. Covid, you know, and, and then it's that I, I feel sorry for the manager because he's, he's had this is his second season. He's not had a one season where there's been no no issues, you yeah. know, because ultimately he's he's had the passing adjusting Covid lockdown, no fans, all the things that you talk to an experienced manager and they probably can't say they've ever experienced any of this. And he's experienced that in his first two years of being being a manager of a football club. Um, so you mentioned Justin a couple of times there. Obviously, he was instrumental in getting the team back into the Football League and then sadly the news broke of his death. What impact did that have on you as a fan and the club? As a fan, it was devastating. And um, I remember I was sitting at home, I was on the sofa, uh, watching some stuff on TV, I think Orient were away. Um, or not away, it was still, it was still pre-season, sorry, it wasn't even back. And saw the news come up. We, we knew we knew for a, a sort of, say, a week before that Justin was been taken ill. No one quite knew what it was. And the club and the family, right, rightly so, were keeping that to themselves. And then the announcement broke. And the announcement broke uh, in, in a couple of ways. It, sort of, it broke about two days earlier. Uh, some fake news from um, from the Spurs forums, but actually the news broke on that Saturday, and, and I was sitting at home and I said to my better half, I said, "Look, I want to go down the club. I've got I've got this natural urge to want to just go down the club. I want to be with other Orient people." Yeah. And then she just looked at me and she went, "Actually, I'll come with you, you know." And we went to the club on on route, went and bought some flowers, and this was sort of like late late afternoon, early evening, and I was I was amazed by the time I got down there I'm, I'm about an hour away from the club by the time we got down there how many people had either been down yeah left flowers or people arriving and it was it was so such so, such a somber mood and funnily enough I, I didn't text any of my friends or, or Orient family I called them I just went down there and they all started appearing and, and it was really emotional because no one knew what to say no one knew how we feel, but more importantly, we just couldn't believe it. You know, a, a man, if you look at Justin, was such a healthy looking man. You know, he's very fit. You know, he kept himself in a good shape. He's a football manager, and you're thinking he, he should he should be all right. He should be safe as houses, shouldn't he? Really, he should have his checks yeah. and what have you. And that whole thing really sort of hit hit the fans at that time. That's my personal experience. And then we go through the morning, you know, and then the club go away uh, pre-season. Always invite fans to go along. And uh, Ross spoke really well. I didn't go there, but a few of my friends did. And I just think there was a, a, a sad, it's not a black cloud, because that means it was desperate. I think there was a sad yeah. cloud over Orient for such a long period of time. And that strikes right through everyone. That's from the top down to the lowest of the low. And I just think we we always in shock. You know, the players must have been in, in shock, and it's been documented that they they that when they come back to pre-season, there was there was cancelling support for those players because it was it was tough for them. You know, you think a couple of months or not even a couple of months, a couple of weeks before you were playing for a guy who just got you promoted to to back into the football league, was your leader had had aspirations of taking that club forward again. And then it was all taken away. And I think the, the thing you can talk about sadness and talk about the impact, 
I think the impact that Justin's passing's had on the club has been sadly, sadly um, a loss, but also been so positive because I think that brought us together. We were brought together when we were under the ownership of the mad Italians that took us down. But then we was all pulled together as we took those two years in the National League and got promoted together, you know. And the, the jubilation of being on the pitch after that final whistle against Braintree and, and the whole celebration that sort of moves into Leighton and beyond halfway around Essex because most of us don't live in Leighton for, for weeks to come after that. That still stayed there. But the memory of what that man did for our football club and what would have done. And, and we all say it now, and it's and I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Ross or, for, or, for, or from Steve Davis because they, they, they tried and they're different managers. But everyone truly believes that if, if Justin was at the helm of Leighton Orient going into the Football League again, we would, have, we would have gone through League Two really quickly because he just had that momentum. He had that power of persuasion. He had the understanding of the Football League. He had the respect to the players, the opposition, opposition fans. He was a legend in his own right, wasn't he? You know, being a Spurs legend. Yeah. Um, but also, more importantly, you look at his footballing career, post-Spurs, you know, and, and the management career, and a good job wherever he's gone. Yes, he had a bumpy bit at Northampton, but still highly, highly, highly respected. I truly believe, and lots and lots of people truly believe, we would have, we would have gone through League Two and and actually would have been in a really good place now. But we are in a good place now. And the best thing is legacy and the families that enables us to have that legacy. We've got a stand in his honour, which is quite moving. I remember when that was opened, that was quite moving. Then we had our first foot game back in the football, football league. That was quite moving. And it just even now, just talking to you about it, I, I, I never had the pleasure of interviewing or talking to, to Justin uh, under it when he was our manager. But I had the pleasure of interviewing and talking to his son, Charlie, uh, before Christmas, talking about the J3 Foundation and, and the Spurs link, link up. And just thinking, talking to you now, the emotion that comes back into me, that I think it, even my eyes are welling up just thinking about Justin because he was such, such, such a, a, a big part of our history and he will be a big part of our history for the for eternity. And it, that that's such a such a nice feeling. But if I'm honest, I would rather have him in the dugout um, leading leading the team. Absolutely. So let's move on to the current manager then, Ross Embleton. Obviously, we've mentioned before that he worked under Justin. What are your thoughts on him as the manager? Ross is one of us, right? So that that you take it whichever way you want to take that. Because some fans take it. Ross is one of us, but he's he's still a coach, not a manager. Ross is one of us and um, he's still learning. You look at what he's achieved over the say the two years because he was he's been a, he's still been here since Justin's passing. Interim manager, interim manager after the leaving of, of um, Steve Davis. He was interim manager, then Carl Fletcher come in, interim manager after that, and then became full time manager and has been full time manager for a season and a half. You know what? I, I'm I'm probably a little bit biased and you know, I'm probably the wrong person to talk to because everyone everyone's got their opinion and should should have their own opinion. Yeah. My opinion of Ross as a, as a human being and a man, a fantastic, fantastic um, leader. He understands the impact of what he does and, um, and and how to shape up the team and the influence. So he's taken some qualities that Justin left behind and, and made them his own. And you can see that. But also, also he's, that's him. He's not putting on the airs and grace. He's not making you think up. That's him. He's, he's a very, very guy and understands. He's quite honest and open. He, he, he shares his mistakes and he'll take it on the chin. But more importantly, he, he understands what it is to be an Orient fan. So that's really cool. We, we, we're never going to go and sit here and, and take a seven-year-old out of a primary school and say, why aren't you writing your name clearly, properly, using <laughs> the right pronunciation at seven? They've got to learn. They've got to learn that piece. And it's the same as a manager. And the thing is, though, there's not a lot of opportunities now where a manager gets that chance, you know. And I think because the owner is believing what he's doing, because our director of football, Martin Ling, believes in that as well, it's giving that opportunity. But now we're starting to see the Ross Embleton team. You know, we've got a Ross Embleton side. He likes to play quick football and we win games with quick football. And the, and the days that we don't play that level of intensity, we, we don't win. We tend to either draw or, or, we, or we get beat. 
But again, we've got to remember he's a young man. He's not even done two, four years in management. He's not been a professional player. He's not been in a changing room for half of his life. He's been a, a coach in, in the junior in the junior world. He's never played a game of football professionally. Uh, even though his Wikipedia says he played for Bedford, he never played for Bedford. He never even tried. He never, he never anywhere near there. He, he had more. He had more chance of becoming a state agent than a, than, than a professional football <laughs> manager. So when we interviewed him back in the two, uh, sorry, the beginning of 2019, the early lockdown, he told us his full story. He, he, he shared his sadness of Justin passing, but the bit that he shared is that he got the phone call after he just from Martin Ling to say that we've taken over the club, we've got in there, and wanting to come in as a coach. He's just he was just received a, a job offer to become an estate agent for. <laughs> A, a, a local estate agency so he was coming out of football and he was actually going in to do enough a career and he took on the job at Orient and and the rest we, we know and we see in front of us now so for me is he is he going to get us up the football leagues in the same speed or, or the same way as as someone who's done it got the t-shirt like a Justin or like a um, whoever you know in the football like Derek Adams at Morecambe who we're playing um, soon yeah. Those, those those things, no, we don't have that. But what we do have, we've got someone who bloody cares, really cares for the club, cares for the fans, open and honest, and I think he's, he's given it his all. He's not just a, a part-time manager, i.e. when he walks out of the club in the afternoon, that's it. He, he lives and breathes it. He lives and breathes it like we do as fans, and that, for me, is really good. I want to see how we get on the, the second half of the season. We, we've just made a... Uh, a, a new sign in, in recent recent days. You know, we've got um, Dan Kemping from ex West Ham, uh, under 23s player, was out on loan at Blackpool. We got him in on a two and a half year deal. He's a he's a massive talent. We see across Twitter, West Ham fans are screaming, going, and West Ham are giving their talent away. We've got young lad Tunji who's playing from West Ham on loan this season, phenomenal. But then. Ross has got that experience of working with younger talent from his coaching days before becoming assistant manager at, at the club. So he gets that. He gets under the skin of that, you know. And if you look across our team, Lee Angel used to play for him at Spurs in, in their community system where Ross used to coach him. Um, then you've got Lawrence Vigor, our goalkeeper, who's probably one of the best goalkeepers in League Two and really should be playing a lot higher. Play for Ross and work with Ross when he was... Firstly, on loan from Liverpool at Swindon, but secondly, when Ross was at Swindon as a coach. So, and James Brophy, another player that played with Ross, played for Ross or part of the setup at Swindon. So, you, you start to see the people that Ross gets people around him that he trusts and, yeah. and, and, and respects, but more importantly, he gets the players in. And the thing Martin Ling helps him with is the right player with the right attitude who can fit not just the system, but fit the club, who get the club, who understand the club, and understand the passion of the fans, although we're not thousands and thousands and thousands of us, but understands what it means to be an Orient fan. And that thing, to me, will make um, Rob Templeton stand up above of, of other other managers that could have come in. So we've discussed what it's like to be a fan and we've discussed the current season. Now it's time to test your knowledge. We're going to oh, do our that's... fan quiz, which is five questions about Leighton Orient and five questions about football in the 92 in general. How do you think you're going to do on this one? Right, absolutely atrocious. So two things, <laughs> or three things I don't do. One is do quizzes because I've got a mental knowledge in my, my head of probably two minutes ago walking up the stairs. So that's it. Um, <laughs> I remember what I had for breakfast. I remember what I watched on TV last night. But don't get me talking about what happened on Thursday. So I'm atrocious. I am a fan. I say I've been a fan, as you said, from probably um, my, my mid-teens. But I, I'm, I'm used to sort of knowing players. And so my boys will tell you this. I've had, I've had players over the years. And I had different names for them. You know, I had, I had a player called Reggie. And, and it's, um, it's Nicky Hunt. He used to play for <laughs> Bolton. I called him Reggie. That was his name. And, and, and even... And, and, and I actually literally wrote that down before coming on this. I knew something would make him up. So I thought, I better write his real name down. So I couldn't remember that Nicky. I never <laughs> called him Nicky Hunt. I called him Reggie. And I'm quite vocal. So when I, when I'm, quite a, I'm quite a big mouth. So sometimes I actually don't just say it to my sons or, or in passing. I say it standing up shouting at them. And you could see people going, what the hell is he on about? And I just hope people see I'm a bit of a madman and just sort of leave me, leave me to my own devices. So quizzes, I'm useless, right? So... I'm going to guarantee you it'll be zero out of five, um, but more importantly, it's a taking part, isn't it? Let's go back to the go back to the Orient ethos. You know, it's not about winning; it's about taking part. 
I reckon you might do all right, but we'll see. So, yeah. question one. Before signing for Leighton Orient, Josh Coulson spent 10 years at which other League Two side? Sadly, Cambridge. Yes. Manchester United are top of the Premier League after a win against Burnley last week, but in what year were they last top of the Premier League? Um... <laughs> 2000, 20, 2019. No, it was 2017. Bloody hell. I, I didn't realise I that bad. Yeah, <laughs> In the year that Leighton Orient were promoted back to League Two as National League champions, who finished second place? Um, so they're second place. Sorry, sorry, Hormores was second, didn't they? But Salford got promoted with us. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to give you that one because it was Solihull, yes. Um, yeah. Which former England manager is technical director at Derby County? Oh, uh, what's his name? The Brolly. The Brolly with the Brolly. I'm going to give McLaren. you that, Steve McLaren. Yeah, McLaren. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, what year were Leighton Orient founded? 1881. Well done. In 2015, Delhi Alley signed for Tottenham from which EFL club? M- M- Milton Keynes Dons. Yes. What is James Brophy's shirt number? Oh, 27. 16. What? Is it? Yeah. I'm just hoping, you know what? I think the James that's Dayton. Sorry, mate. Sorry, yeah, yeah, 16. Yeah, what an idiot. Yeah, I knew that one as well. <laughs> which League Two team beat Premier League Leeds United in the FA Cup recently? Oh, Crawley Town, the bright, the, the bright brothers, the right brothers, wasn't it? You know, they all flew there. I think so. Yeah, Mark, 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 and Josh Wright, ex-player late night. Yes, Ross Embleton had three stints as an interim head coach be- before signing a one-year rolling contract in 2020. What year was Ross's first spell as interim head coach? Let's work this out. So we're in 2021, uh, 2018. It was 2017. Is it? You know yeah. what? Like Man United. You know what? That year must be must be erased from my memory. Must be gone. Things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. He needs, he needs he needs to move on. We need to get him sacked. We need to get a decent manager in now. <laughs> Sorry, Ross, if you're listening. Sorry. <laughs> and the final question: Who scored the penalty that ended Sheffield United's 18-game run without a win in the Premier League? I haven't got a Scooby. But who did score their goal? It was Billy Sharp. Ah, yes. So, come on. How do you think you did? I don't know, Chris. I said I keep telling you this. I can't remember what I you said. You can't remember what happened five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to. What was the first question? No, that's even worse. I think I did better than I expected. I would do. You got seven out of ten, so that's not bad at all, really. Do you know? Do you know what my my um, head teacher at my primary school? If I had a, an exam, or oh, sorry, senior school had an exam response of seventy out of hundred, I would have been that would been really good. So I'm proud of that. And you know what? I'm <laughs> Are you going to send a certificate out or something like that so I can put it on my office wall? No? Do you want me to? I can do. <laughs> no, mate, listen, listen. Just just, just don't promote it. <laughs> Julian well got I seven out it. of ten. Well done. Yeah, that's it. Could try harder. <laughs> so currently, um, Leighton Orient, ninth in League Two, just outside the playoffs. How's the season going from your perspective? Is this where you want to be? We, we, we have played some phenomenal football and we've played some of the most atrocious football over the years and, and, and that's a lot of different reasons that none of us can really probably pick out and understand but what I wanted to say there is that a lot of us pre-season said mid-table yeah, because of all the bits that happened back in the last year, the circumstances we found ourselves in but the aspiration is always going to be for any fan is to get into the playoffs, get into the top three, get promoted. Of course, if you don't, why, why, you, why do you support football? Go and do Absolutely. something else. So, so those things there, we want to do well. We've been in the, in the playoffs. We've come out. Um, hopefully, we could go back in there over the next couple of weeks. Um, but we're good enough. If you look at that league, anyone can beat anyone. And I refer that back to one of the guys on the podcast, Brendan Pritchard. He says it every week. Anyone can beat anyone. And we have done. We've gone from beating Salford, our, our strangely rivals, Newport, top of the league at the time, you know, and then we'll go to a lower league team and, and, and no disrespect to those lower league teams. And we get beat and we sit there and go, but a week ago, we've just done that. And why are we doing that? And that's what A, football is about. But this year in League Two, it's it's a fun. The Carlo at the top of the league at the moment, I can't, I, I can't guarantee you, but I wouldn't be very surprised someone else who's probably in... 10th, 11th, the top of the league by when we close in, in May, you know, because yeah. it's such that variance in League Two. So it's, it's good fun to watch. I think you have to think that fans have to remember, one, don't get too hung up on it. You know, it, it's, it's a game of football. Yeah, no, it's no lives are dependent on this game of football. Yes, we want to win. Secondly, is that where, what will be will be as per the song. 
And if we end up in the playoffs at the end of the season, fantastic. If not, we go again next year. But one thing we still will have is our football club and we'll have the unity that, that we've struck up over the last few years. Absolutely. Just on that point about any team can beat any team, you're absolutely right. Like Earlier on in the season, Leighton Orient played my team Grimsby and we beat you 3-2, but it's clear that Leighton Orient are by far a better team than we are currently. And for us to win 3-2 was a bit like, well, how the hell did that happen? So you're right, any team can beat any team and it's definitely going to be interesting come the end of the season to see the table now and to see the table at the end of the season to see how much it's changed. You mentioned that and I didn't realise you, you, sort of the, the Grimsby connection. So for us as Orient fans, when the beginning of the season, before Ross was made permanent, um, yeah. my, my, my person I wanted to be in was Ollie. I wanted Ollie as our manager. The reason why, and again, it's probably another debate for another day, is that <laughs> at, at, at that time, we were collective, including fans, including management, including the whole club, like Orient. We were on our knees. We, we were... We were mourning, you know, we were mourning a loss of someone very dear to us. Yeah. Someone we'd most of us never met. And that's the strangest thing, isn't it? But the one thing I thought with Ollie could bring to us is that human element, a bit of a laugh, but the guy knew what he's doing. He knew he's way around lower league. Well, you'd probably have a different opinion to that. But Absolutely. at that time, yeah, yeah. At that time, we, we needed someone who could sort of bring a sort of a positive light on Orient. Flip that round, come to where we are now. I'm really pleased that Ross was appointed because I think maybe with that would have been ill-judged because of what we've seen with your club and, and he, he's had a bit of a history but he's a fun guy so that would have been great but reality is would the football or, or turn out the same way blah 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 you'll be bitter though aren't you because he's absolutely he's, he's yeah a, yeah so you're going to see it from a different way but i'll guarantee you half your fans when he was appointed were jumping off the sofa game get in there we've got a proper manager so i was one of those fans when he was appointed is about it was just over a year ago that he was appointed and it came out of the blue and we were like Ian Holloway how have we managed to do that and then there was this air of excitement around the club for ages and then obviously recently things haven't been going so well for us um, he left the club because there's all this talk of takeover and stuff like that but now we've got one of our old managers back Paul Hurst and we're kind of seeing the positive light again so maybe it's a good thing that Ian Holloway left after all. But yeah, I can see where you're coming from with wanting to get him in in the first place, but you are in a much better place with Ross Embleton now, aren't you? So the final two questions then are just about your favourite players. Is is there any players that are currently playing for Leighton Orient that you're really enjoying, or is there any that from the past that you would consider your yeah. favourites? I've never been uh, a lover player because I think, um, like anything in life, you get attached to something and it goes yeah. it breaks your heart doesn't it you know and or you even keep saying i wish blah blah was here because i used to do that so i'm going to look back over a couple of number of years you know and for my early days of Fort orient there was a player called kenny Achimpong who played for fulham i think as well and a few other clubs i think oxford he was just a tricky tricky winger you know he's great midfielder comical great on the ball, all the stuff that you want, especially in probably a team that was, was probably not as technical as some of the teams, even our team today, you know, we've got some technical players in there. Same sort of little bit later on, you had Ricky Otto, who who had a stint in prison and joined the Orient and been playing for Southend, and he went on to play for Birmingham, and, and, and he's now a pastor, I think, in Birmingham. He was a fantastic, fantastic player to watch. You know, had one foot only, you know, don't put anything on his right foot, but he, he had one foot, great player to watch. And then you think you could bounce around with players that probably other supporters may not have, have loved. You know, there was a striker or called Mark Cooper. Um, yeah, it weren't bad, uh, but he was just a character. I remember a game years ago at Underhill at Barnet, and um, it was it was a Tuesday night. I think it was a Tuesday night. It was absolutely hammering down. It's cold, and they were doing all their warm ups. And he came over to talk to where we were undercover, and then he was talking to that, and then he was called back over to the warm ups. And then he looked over, he jumped over the wall and sat on the floor so they couldn't <laughs> see him. So he stayed out of the warm-ups in the dry and jumped back over the wall and went, went into the changing rooms and got the changing or, or then prepared for the game. You know? And sort of characters like that you don't get now for obvious reasons because football is, is fairly competitive. But more importantly, there's a lot of money riding on football nowadays. Yeah. So he was a player I remember. Kevin Nugent, who was our assistant coach under Russell Slade, who played for us. I liked him as a player, you know, when I was younger, I'd name a bloody cat under his name, we'd call him Nuge, so that was a bit of a weird one. But I think we get back to the latter years, you look at some of the players we've had at Orient, you know, and even under the, 
the mad, mad Italian time. You know, you had some quality in there, but they just didn't play as a team. And you think under better leadership, they would have been really good. But if you move on to where we are now, I think we only can be be really honest about those players that really, I feel, were just brought into it. And the one player which I wanted to mention today is Jovi Makina. The man is a machine, you know, <laughs> of his age. Yeah, his technical abilities, enthusiasm, his leadership qualities. Yes, we see him on TV, in BT and and, and, and BBC and and what and Quest and that. Um, but the man is an absolute legend. He was with us when we was having under the mad Italian, and unfortunately, I think he just he did get sort of handed handed out. And with a number of other players, by the way. But the other side of it, he's he's come back. And he's led us to led us to the glory land. You know, we're back in the football league, and his and his sister will be getting the, the accolades he did his early in his career in, in West Ham, Watford, and then Reading is his big part. And most people know him from, yeah. but no, 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 no less than what he's going to be remembered for at Leighton Orient. On players and, and players that are very skillful, you like to watch them, and, and they, they they sort of they stand out in our current lineup. We've probably got James Brophy was mentioned, who plays at number sixteen. Just to remind you of that, we have <laughs> Dan Happy centre centre half. He won't be as probably next year because a phenomenal phenomenal centre half. He'll go upwards and onwards and wish him all the best for that. We have a great goalkeeper in Lawrence Figaro. And then you move across that team. You've got you've, you've got Danny Johnson, DJ, who's scoring the goals. For me, I'm not a, like, I love Danny Johnson because he's a striker. That's what he's paid to do. You know, a bus driver's yeah. paid to drive his bus. What we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to jump and scream about someone who puts a bus at um, 15 stops on their route. No, we don't. So it, Danny Johnson's a good, good forward, knows where the, the, the net is. But then you look around with the one player, I think, in that forward line for me has been uh, really, really, really remarkable and starting to come into his own now is Connor Wilkinson, a player that's had the opportunity to play a lot higher. And I think in an interview with one of our other uh, radio show that's on in, in East London and Essex that does does a broadcast and they interviewed him. And the thing that he said, he said is that um, he's, he's, in, he's in love with Oren. He feels that he's at home. And I think... That goes back to any player. If they feel that they're at home, they're respected, they do better. We had a we had a guy a number of years back called Cole Griffiths, or who we interviewed, and he said exactly the same thing. When he came to Orient, he felt that he was loved by the fans, and guess what? He scored bundles of goals. Danny Johnson, yeah, came to, has come to us. You know, um, the last transfer window, the, the, the January transfer window, but he hadn't played up in Scotland for for many games, and prior to that. He, been bouncing around non-league but he's come here and we respect him we're behind him and, and he's loved and he's banging goals and sadly as you know in lower league football you either have to pay these, these players a lot more money to stay or they're going to get snapped up and move on and I just hope with Connor with, with Danny and with, with some of the other players they feel respected loved and appreciated Orient they'd rather spend another couple of years here then go off and somewhere and sit on the bench. And, and that's what I, I, I fear for any player leaving lower league because they don't always go into the first team and play week in, week out, you know? So there, there's definitely definitely a balance here. But going back to the modern day footballer, the, probably the player in recent years that's been outstanding, Joby McEnough. Fair enough. Well, now I feel like I know a little bit more about Leighton Orient. So thank you very much for that, Julian. Just before we go, tell us a little bit about your own podcast. Yeah, so we, we so our background is we was invited as, as a group of fans to go on a radio show called um, Love Sports. So we was doing a fan show once a week on there, and we got there's a group of four of us and was really enjoying it. The podcast itself was formed from that. We were under a different skies whilst we was on the other station, but I think now we're we're we're, we're rocking and rolling. But our, our our podcast is slightly different to the other shows that circle Leighton Orient. Is that yes, we're we're association with a local radio station so we use their facility where we can get in there otherwise yeah. currently we've been doing it on zoom but the bit the bit for us is about the fans and, and our unique things and, and the others are copying this by the way is the interviews what we like to do is go and interview someone whether they're a fan whether they're a player ex-player management um whatever it may be family members of ex-players or, or players that passed away whatever whatever our plans are for what's been and what's coming that's been our, our uniqueness and, and we're trying to do it from the other side you know not saying how does it how did you feel when you scored that goal that's irrelevant because everyone knows that because they've been on other shows or they've had interviews post-match and explained that 
bit we want to get we we like to get under the bonnet of is saying how how do you feel you know what's important to you the bits that, that you don't get a chance to hear from a player or ex-player yeah. um during an interview so that's the bit we we, we go at um but there's 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 a, a group of five of us um one one of us in and out so um, rob who now is is in his own right a, a senior leader he's a chairman of a haverford west football club um down in the uh, the welsh premier league um, I'm a director of that club as well, although unfortunately due to the pandemic, every time I used to go once to go down there, there was a there we, we couldn't cross the border. So hopefully in a couple of months to come, I'll get and go and see a game. It'd be great. We have um, Darren Reisman on the podcast, who's he's a absolute loyal Mad Orient fan, home and away, runs his own business, so he's got that little bit of flexibility. But also he, he's he, I don't know if you've ever t- just Google it. He's he's the man that's got. Um, the whole National League winning season on his arm. So he's a wow. big tattoo fan. So he's got Justin, Ross, the owners. So if you can ever do, do it, go and have a look at it because it's very impressive. Or you can follow him on Instagram as well where he's got his posted. And then we have Dale Halls, who's just a, like myself, a, an avid fan. Um, I got to know Dale through my better half used to work with his dad. Or, sorry, his dad was her boss at Royal Bank of Scotland and got to know, interviewed him on the other station. And then, then he just come a part of our thing. He's got great input, great knowledge of football. And the last one is the one I sort of, I, I must admit, was the one I never thought would fit into the, the work that, into what we do. But we, Brendan Pitcher, we call him the knowledge. If there's anything you want, <laughs> get him on your quiz, man. You'll know all the answers. <laughs> and the stuff he, and the stuff he does know is like really odd. But if you look at that collective, that's not one or two of us, or it's just not people popping. That that is the bulk of what we do. And then we fill that with. Other fans, interviews, you know, we do a lot, always talk about the opposition view. We talk and understand about what our opposition are doing and playing for the next game. So it's, it's we call it, it, it rightly or wrongly, it's, it's the Orient show by the fans, for the fans, you know. Every, everyone can take part and, and we've, we've opened that mantra and we've been really blessed to have a real good season so far. And hopefully that will continue for many, many, many years to go. Well, thank you very much, Julian, for agreeing to come on to the 92 podcast to tell us about Leighton Orient. I do feel like I've learned a lot more. Um, best of luck for the rest of the season. Listen, and, and now you're a Grimsby fan, <laughs> so, so we'll, we'll see you hopefully at some point next season because we won't get promoted, nor will you. And then we'll see you next year. If we do, we get promoted together and we'll see each other in League One. So make sure if, if, if we can, then you get down to the Orient when Grimsby's in, in town. Please come, make, reach out to me and we'll, I'll, I'll meet you up and buy you a bit of pie and mash and a bit of liquor down the road. There you go. Oh, Proper nice reason. one. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again to Julian for talking to us and, of course, thank you for listening. If you'd like to help me on our quest to speak to at least one fan from each of the clubs in the 92 and talk all about your club, you can find us on Twitter at the92podcast or email the92podcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the 92 Podcast. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it would really help us if you left us a rating and a review. Next time, I'll be ticking off another club in the 92. See you then.